Hey everyone, welcome to season two, episode nine of the Right Words podcast. I am Hayley Walsh, author of Lighthearted Fiction, and as always, I'm coming to you from Darug country in far western Sydney at the base of the beautiful Blue Mountains, but I am not your host for this episode. Welcome to our very first podcast takeover. This special episode has been hijacked by none other than the lovely and very talented author Sandy Barker. Sandy is the author of the Holiday Romance series, and titles in this series include One Summer in Santorini, That Night in Paris, A Sunset in Sydney, A Sunrise Over Bali, and the latest release and final book in the series, A Wedding in Tuscany. Sandy is also the author of the standalone Laugh Out Loud rom-com, The Dating Game. We were also joined by the lovely Maria P. Frino. Maria is the author of Two Men in a Shed, The Decision They Made, The Shop on the Princess Highway, and was part of the recently released anthology titled Weaving Words, an anthology for women by women. Now, Sandy put together some fantastic questions for us and it was lots of fun. We talked about what books from our childhood nurtured our love of reading, the inspiration behind our stories, is it important to have empathy for our villains, is writing a natural talent or a learned skill, and so much more. Thank you to both of these talented authors for being part of this episode. I hope you enjoy it nearly as much as we did. So, let's jump straight in. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Right Words podcast. My name is Sandy Barker, and with fellow author Maria Freno, we are staging a podcast takeover. And our special guest tonight is regular host Haley Walsh. But before we start, we do want to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land from which we're joining you, and we pay our respects to their elders past present and emerging. Uh, I'm joining you from the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation in Melbourne, Victoria. And just a little bit about me before I hand over to Maria. She's going to introduce herself and then and Hayley. Uh, so I write romantic comedies set in gorgeous locations. I'm the author of the Holiday Romance series. I've got book five coming out very soon. And The Christmas Swap and The Dating Game. Now, Maria, you write very different type of books. Want to tell us about you? Well, I do. I actually write in um, three fiction genres. One of them is historical fiction, uh, science fiction, and contemporary fiction. <clears throat> Excuse me, so, my voice. <clears throat> that's all right. That's all right. So we've got a little bit of a crossover on the contemporary fiction. So mm. do you want to um, introduce us to our special, very special guest, well, Hayley Walsh? Firstly, I'd like to say that I'm from the Gadigal and Wongal people of the Eora Nation. Oh, of course. And, lovely. Thanks. And um, Hayley, welcome. Welcome oh, to your you. podcast. <laughs> your own podcast. <laughs> thank you for agreeing to hijack this episode, ladies. Yeah, super fun, super fun. So, um, so let's hear about you, Hayley. Okay, so... As most of my listeners would know, I am an author of lighthearted fiction. I live in far western Sydney at the base of the beautiful Blue Mountains, which is known as Darug Country. Um, I have two little gorgeous cavoodles who are the mascots for the podcast, Honey and Sid, who are currently <laughs> on the lounge looking at me wondering what mummy is doing at the moment. Um, I live with my partner and my two boisterous stepsons who we have, you know, week on, week off. So life is busy, um, but writing is definitely my therapy. Oh, and, and you are a coffee addict a bit like myself. Maria, are you a coffee addict too? Oh, give me an espresso any day. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, double shot. Thank you. I, I have to say I'm a bit of a coffee snob having been from Melbourne. Like, we, uh, yeah, I, I, I proudly put that on all my social media profiles. Well, we're going to be talking about um, writing, reading, all the things that kind of make up our passion. Um, and I know that most writers tend to be readers. And I do know you, Hayley and Maria, are both really avid readers. Mm -hmm. Tell us about your earliest memories of reading. Let's start with you, Hayley. Do you know what I remember, Sandy? I remember the little golden books. Ah! Uh, yes. yes <laughs> I, too. I had such a big collection and I used to love going in on the train on a Saturday morning, 
Mum would take me into Hurstfall because I grew up in Cogra when I was very, very small. Um, and I remember they used to be on little stands out the front of the shop. And mm-hmm. I'd always be able to buy two. So that was a really exciting thing. So my earliest memories definitely little golden books. And when I was preteen, I was a huge fan of the Babysitter's Club. So that series really got me into reading. And I was obsessed. I think I read yeah. all of them at least three times. I think series like that for um, preteen and teen readers are fantastic because there's just you know, they can just dive in. I was a sweet valley high and the sweet dreams during my teens for sure. I loved those. And I loved the golden books too. I actually, um, I don't remember not being able to read. I mean, obviously I didn't, I wasn't born that way, but I just kind of, that reading was always just so much part of my childhood. And I'm pretty sure that I thought I was reading, even though I was just retelling the stories that my parents would read to me, but I just absolutely loved it. And I, I would just lock myself in my room and, and read for hours and hours when I was a little kid. What about you, Maria? Um, <clears throat> yeah, we had, we had a few golden books, but um, my brother <laughs> and I were actually into comics until I discovered Nancy Drew Mysteries. Ah, oh, see, um, another series. Yes, yes. Oh, I loved them. And, um, you know, that, that really got me into reading. I mean, the comics, they were easy and, and yeah. you know, a bit of fun. Um, but I wish I'd kept most of them now. They would have been Oh, I know, they'd be worth a mint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they would be, absolutely. Excuse me, girls. <clears throat> So now that you're a writer, what what do you like to read now, Hayley? I like a good thriller with a twist that I don't see coming. And a little secret, I would love to be able to write a thriller, but to this (laughs) day I have not been brave enough to try. But I do love a good thriller. Um, And I also love, you know, humorous women's fiction, chick lit, you know, romance. So I do like to read a lot of what I write as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And Maria, you write across three genres. What are you reading these days? Um, I'm actually reading a thriller at the moment. Um, Yeah, I I do tend to go with thrillers right now, but uh, science fiction, of course. Mm. And um, yeah, I I like the odd romance too. I actually (laughs) got your book on my my list. (laughs) Oh, that's nice. I've got Santorini. It's not, it's not a condition of our friendship, but it is, it is nice to hear. <laughs> I highly recommend Sandy's book, Dive Right In. Oh, thank you. Quite That's really to. sweet. That's really sweet. Yeah, I, I read a lot in my genre and um, I'm, I kind of dive into like the opposite end of the spectrum once in a while, a bit like you, Hayley. I love a crime thriller. Um, and I can I get into the you know the series. I love Michael Connolly and Patricia Cornwell and Nikki Branch and yeah, I just I love a crime. I'm actually reading the latest Robert Galbraith right now, and I just completely immerse myself in that world. So it's very very different from what I read usually and write usually. But it's a bit of a brain break for me. I think mm-hmm. sometimes I need to not be reading chick lit. <laughs> Yeah, I totally agree because obviously, you know, hosting this podcast, um, I get sent lots of books, you know, to read. And I've read a couple of good memoirs lately, which is Mm. not something I would normally read, but Mm. I've read them because I've got interviews coming up and I have just absolutely loved them. So they're both being featured on the podcast very soon. So, yeah, something different. That is yeah. uh, that is something that I, I used to dive into a lot. I've actually just today ordered, um, I've been wanting to read it for ages, which is Michelle Obama's book, Becoming. So that'll be coming soon. So I'll be I'll be into the autobiography and memoir as mm-hmm. well. But I do love Histvik. I'm kind of a World War II Histvik fan as well. So there's, and, and, you know, they keep coming up with new ways to tell those stories. Yeah. <laughs> Haven't we read it all yet? No, we haven't. We haven't, you know. So I, so many, I like the so ones that are, ways. I mm. know, I like the resistance mm. and the spying mm. and everything. That's always really, really yeah. fabulous. So they're full of lots of mystery, are they? A little bit of mystery as well? Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, it's that combination of the spy thriller and the World War Two. Mm. So, yeah, we are obviously all passionate about reading as well as <laughs> Definitely. Mm. So... Hayley, um, I, you know, I've got, I've got, we've got a great list, list of questions here. And, um, you know, we all started publishing 
a little bit later, you know. So they always say it's never too late to do what you're really passionate about. We were all over 40 when our first books um, came out. Um, mm. When did you know that you wanted to be a writer, Hayley? I can remember writing poetry as a very young child. Um, I always wanted to write a book, um, but it took my father suddenly dying eight years ago to make me realise I really have to get this done. Um, that's when I started writing Making March. Um, and when I was querying Making March, I needed a new project. So that's how Crayons and Chaos came about. That mm. was my first published book. And that was published in March of 2020. So I was, oh God, how old was I? <laughs> I was born in 76. Help me out, girls. I'm hopeless with numbers. 44? Uh, yeah, that sounds that the right. Yeah, 44. <laughs> Thank you, Sandy. I'm good with words, no good with numbers. Mm. Sorry. But you, so you said that so you said that it was kind of um you had this, you know, tragedy, but it was an impetus for you to just really follow that passion. You obviously had that passion for a long time. So it was deeply seated. Is that right? Absolutely. And I can hear my dad's voice in my head. He was my biggest supporter. He always said, you know, darling, you've got such a great imagination, you need to write a book. And I could just hear him telling me to get it done. So that was the inspiration. As sad as it was to lose my dad, I don't think I ever would have published a book had I not lost him, which is a strange thing, but Mm. it was a positive. It was a positive. Mm. Yeah. What about you, Maria? Um, Look, I've always written my career as, as a copywriter. Um, I never seriously thought about publishing until I found a manuscript that I, my debut novel, the historical fiction. I found it while I was cleaning up the house one day and I thought, oh, I should look at this. And I rewrote it. It needed rewriting. I wrote Mm -hmm. it when I was 27 Mm. and it was, um, it was very innocent. There was no fighting between the couple and it was a a little bit of a romance. So anyway, it became um, the decision they made, which was very different to the original story. And I started, probably started that when I was 55, 54, something Mm. like that. Mm. And and it was published when I was 58. Wow. That's fantastic. 2019, however old I was then anyway. Yeah, it's, it is it is fascinating because the book that I, I actually started writing a book literally 20 years ago. So I was in my early 30s and it was it was an account of my time as a tour manager in Europe. And um, it was at that time, it was very cathartic for me to write because it was just a really awful time in my young adulthood. And so I got, the, you know, I got ported out and I thought this is going to be this autobiography, this, this expose <laughs> on what it's like to work for this tour company. Um, and then it kind of sat in a drawer and sat in a drawer and sat in a drawer. And, and then I pulled it out after I had written Santorini and I thought I'm going to set a, I'm going to set a book on one of these bus trips around Europe. So I kind of was flicking through it and looking, I was like, I have so much material here on what these bus trips are like. So it didn't ever become something other than just sparking the idea for some, uh, for a book. And I was like, okay, yeah. So it's, it's still, I've still had the handwritten manuscript, you know, and I think I'll keep that forever and ever just as a reminder of you did want to write a book 20 years ago, but it took until, um, until I, I turned 50 and my first book was published at, at 50. So, yeah, it's it's interesting how it kind of takes it takes something, an impetus to just kind of, you know, pull it to out give and go. You that push. Yeah, give you that yeah. push. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, it's quite satisfying, isn't it? Even though we don't like to kill trees and print all that paper, to see your manuscript <laughs> printed is very, very... Yeah, it's very rewarding. I've got all mine, you know, printed. It's the only way to edit it. You, I can't edit on screen. You no, can't edit, yeah. yeah. A lot of a lot of authors yeah. do print out to to edit. I I yeah, I think I used to do it that way. I've just I can't do it that way anymore. But it is interesting. And I, I have to actually credit the film La La Land for making me just pull the trigger and self-publish because I self-published to begin with. Um, it was like I watched this film La La Land and it was basically about following your dream, don't give up on your dream. And I we left the cinema and I was practically weeping on the tram ride home. <laughs> and my partner's like, what's going on? I said, I need to be alone. And and he and then I 
opened up the file that had been sitting there and I'm like, I'm rewriting this and I'm self-publishing. And that just kind of set me on this journey. But it was, mm. it was just this reminder of, you know, life's, life is both long and short. It's long yeah. enough that you can make different decisions and change the pathway, but it's also short that you don't want to just, you know, waste it. So, um, yeah, it was that. I know that it was just a movie, but for me, it was just like a big kick up the pants. You know, it's like, when, if, if not now, when, you know. Um, yeah. I, I also, you know, two kids, big house, work, mm -hmm. all the rest mm -hmm. of it. Mm -hmm. And then I just one day I just said, no, I'm going to do this. Uh, it's what I've been talking about with my friends for a long time. Mm -hmm. And when I finally did self-publish, um, you know, all my friends said, well, you finally did it. You took your time, but you finally did it. Um, and, you know, they're all very supportive. But I've had the most amazing experience ever since I became an author, uh, meeting you, people like you, um, the writing group that I'm a part of, the associations that I'm involved with. It's just been wonderful. It's, it's like a whole new career. Yeah. And I recommend it to anyone, anyone who has an inkling of creativity, go for it. Doesn't matter oh, yeah. what it is, painting, yeah. crocheting, whatever. Just go for it. Yeah, go forth and find your people, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Honour your passion, find your people. And, and, and Hayley, you, you know, you've kind of are tackling both sides of it. So you've got the podcast, you actually really supportive of, of other writers. Um, you, you blog, um, you have guest spots on your blog and what have you. Um, you know, what does the writing community mean to you? Sandy, I would say it means the world to me. Um, yeah, it's so important to me. I don't think I would have published my first book without the support of other authors. I had no idea where to start. I had no idea what I was doing. I'm still learning every day. Um, and I just think it's the most supportive, wonderful community I've ever been part of and I would be lost without it. I don't know about you, Maria, but Ooh, that's how I exactly. feel. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and Maria, you belong to it. You said mentioned your writing group. Mm -hmm. So, what's the what's the um, parameters around that? Like, when, how often do you meet, and what what do you have to show up with? And okay, well, is it we, more informal? It's pretty informal. Um, we're not too strict on things, but it's called Write on Water, W R I T E, and we we have, we're in a beautiful spot on the Parramatta River. We meet about once a month. And we just met on Friday, we met two lovely new members. Um, so there's about, depending on the group, there's about four to six to eight people. Mm. And nice. we do read each other's work or we'll read our own work out and we get critiques. But some, sometimes we just sit there and chat politics. Yeah. <laughs> it it yeah. really does depend on what mood we're in. Mm -hmm. um, and... We're so lucky in that Ross, the convener, who um, he's a boat builder and that's why he's got this club, this sailing club that he has available for us. And as long as there's not anything else on it in the club, we can be there. And we usually meet on a Friday. Friday morning, we're there for two, two and a half hours. And I would recommend a writing group that you're compatible with. I went through a couple that weren't great. Um, and this one we just slipped into a friendship and we're great mates now. Yeah. So, um, and we're all members of Writing New South Wales, so mm -hmm. we met through there. I love that. I love that. And it can be, it can be, you know, more formalized like that where you've got a place where you can actually go and um, or it can be, you know, like a Twitter hashtag. So, um, mm, if true. if anyone out there is listening and they're they're not familiar with Oz Rights, Oz Rights, it's A U S um, Rights. Um, that hashtag was really huge for like a couple of years. And um, Kevin and Rebecca had you know doing prompts every other day. We had a new prompt and we would tweet about something. You know, it was like share something from your work in progress or share a childhood memory or a photo or something. And it was just this it, way of building up this great community. And we've kind of dropped off now and we're, we're you know, keeping the hashtag alive. But it is this incredible group of people. And, um, you know, it's 
sometimes we do we are able to meet up in person which is really fun and then this little subset of that group is the 6am Oz Rights um, group and you know it's if you're up at five to six a.m., you know you somebody will be online. Hi, what are you working on today? And it is just a nice little accountability nudge, and just you know, I'm not feeling it today. And then everyone says, "Hey, take care of yourself." Yeah, mm. yeah, that's, that's my important point. thing. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's and great. it's it's that like mindedness, and I, I'm really excited because in a couple of weeks we're um, heading off to the UK, and I'm going to be going to the Romance Novelists um, Conference. I'm going to be meeting people who I engage with on social media nearly every day. Um, oh. A lot of them have become friends, and I'll. I, I'm, How exciting! I'm, it yeah. is exciting. It is exciting. But I, you know, I'm selecting the sessions, and I'm like, I really just think it's going to be two days of me going, oh my god, it's so great to meet you in person. Um, Sandy's, Sandy's going to run in fangirling all over the place. <laughs> I, I know. It. I know. That's it'll be fantastic. fun. I think it'll be great. It'll be great. So and it's I'm, so good that we can do that now that, you know, COVID, yes. everything's oh, settled. Yeah. It's, it's fantastic. I had to cancel a, a book tour in, um, huh, of all places, the Amalfi Coast. Uh, oh, which is which is oh, where that hurts. My family, that physically hurts. Which is where my family comes from, and I was meeting my cousins, and we were going to oh, do a book oh. fair as part of Ferragosto, which is the um, August fair that they have in Italy, and uh, we also have one here in Five Dock. So um, it's a very Italian thing to do, and I had to cancel, and I was devastated. So yeah. I'm hoping to be able to go next year. We'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah. I look. That sounds brilliant. And it was similar for us. Our 2020 plans were scuppered, so we're just oh. kind of doing that now. All right, Fantastic. let's switch gears a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, Haley, mm. that old adage: "Write what you know." What do you think of that? Oh well, I can go back to making March. She turns 40, so I can definitely relate to that and everything <laughs> that she goes through. <laughs> um, and in in two of my books, um, characters are nurses and I'm a nurse. So mm. I draw so much inspiration from my job, uh, mm. stories I hear every day, you know, so I can just relate to real life on a, yeah, a really, you know, I've got that good foundation of just everyday life, going to work, um, yeah, antics from my patients, stories from my patients. Yeah, so that's basically right what you know. I'm a nurse. I do it five days a week. So that really finds its way into a lot of my stories. Yeah. Do you um are you a shameless story stealer like I am? Absolutely. Not dead yet. It's a stolen story sort of. <laughs> so um <laughs> based on truth, but with a bit of poetic justice thrown in, of course. But yeah, it yeah. was based on the patient story. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like to do that too. And I, I'm most of my books um are well, they're all based in places that I've been and can write. So some of my own travel adventures will fall into those. But if someone tells me a really good anecdote, I'm like, yeah, I'm writing that into a book. <laughs> That's mine now. You told it to me. Guilty. Guilty. <laughs> yeah. and, and my books are always set, you know, mostly they're set in Sydney, um, but they might travel to Adelaide or the Gold Coast or Tassie or other places that I've been. But they're always in Australia, um, but they're always, the base is always Sydney because that's what I know. I was born in yeah. Sydney. So, yeah. 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 So what, what about you, Maria? Do you think that there's a way to break that rule? Um. I probably did it a little bit with my debut novel. I've never been to Russia, but I did set some of it in Russia. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did a lot of research and I remember doing a lot when I was 27 with the original book. Uh, and I, you know, I, I wrote about Leningrad, so I had to look mm-hmm. it up and went to the library. And so, but I wouldn't do that again. I, yeah. I do find that it's better when you write what you know. Um, and I'm currently doing a TV contemporary novel and it's two hosts who, as a bit of a chick lit, two hosts who are great friends and have been for quite a few years and they end up having a falling out and it becomes a huge bitch fest and involves quite a few people and, um, yeah, 
do that. That sounds. I love the sound of this. I can't wait. (laughs) I can't wait to read it, but I also love that it comes off the back of write what you know. So, (laughs) is this going back to your your um, other Uh, career of working in television? couple of the parties that I talk about yeah I went to a few of those <laughs> I love it I love it yeah maybe, maybe a little bit of you know license in there but yeah most of them were yeah hmm. okay enough said uh, <laughs> we're, gonna well, we're, your, we're gonna know all your secrets now Maria look out <laughs> well I I do like write what you know but I um I don't necessarily think it needs to be literally I mean I think that that obviously can lay a great foundation for a good story is writing from your own experiences but then I you know also saw saw a quote about writing I don't know who this was it could have been Neil Gaiman or Stephen King or somebody which was write what you can imagine and Mm -hmm. I love that because, of course, if you're writing fantasy or if you're writing um, historical fiction, you can do you can do a lot of world building and research, particularly with historical fiction. You want to be accurate, but you're still having to write what you could possibly imagine. And I think the the best example of that is a reader that I've read recently is a book called Before the Crown, and it's about the it's a fictitious telling of um, Queen Elizabeth falling in love with Prince Philip and it is such a beautifully written story it's so good highly highly recommended but of course she had the research around they were at this location on this day but the imagining of all of those conversations you know him wooing her and her falling in love and giving him the ultimatum to stop you know stop being a pillock and you know pull the trigger and propose and what you know like it was and she was just kind of this really strong young woman and it was fantastic but that was a much that's an example and Maria you write you write fantasies so there's a lot of right where you can imagine I've I've written a couple of little science fiction the the trilogy was a major one Mm. um I I did get a comment that there's not a lot of science in there so the person who was reading it said, oh, I think this is more a fantasy, which is fine. Oh, okay. So it's, yeah, Whatever. it's kind of. It crosses over. Um, crossover. But genre. yeah, I loved coming up with the, the world and um, this dystopian society that, that everybody hated and, um, and the two power couples who actually ended up working well together. They hated each other in the beginning and um, ended up bringing the world together. Um, I also had to imagine how does a rocket work and what fuel is used for a rocket? Is there mm. any fuel left? You know, in, in well, I think it was 2300 or something. I, I can't remember what the dates were. <laughs> <laughs> it was yeah. a while ago. Um, so, yeah, but that's where you don't have to know everything. You can research all that and, 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 and use your imagination. You can, but it's really steeping that in truth, Hallie, because you wrote the book um, Not Dead Yet, which is your most recent publication. That's the one about an older protagonist. Now, you're working from the truth of your own life, you know, things that have happened to you, so writing what you know. You're writing from experience of vicarious experience working with these older patients, but there's so much of what you had to imagine being inside her head. Absolutely. Um, I guess... You know, we all think about getting older, you know, and getting old. So even though I see individual experiences every day, I wonder what my experience might be. Mm. You know, so that's a lot of that did come into the story. And I love the fact that the protagonist is 71 because there are not enough stories about older women. Mm. And I just, you know, we feel invisible as we get older. So I just think Mary's a rock star. And, yeah, I'm really proud of the fact I wrote an older main character. I think that's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. It is yeah. pretty cool. Is and what is what would you say then, um, Haley? Is a common theme in your writing? So you've got three Definitely. books out at the moment. Are you working on? Are you working on your fourth? And you've got this. Yeah, oh, definitely the humour, Sandy. I just yeah, like to, yeah. definitely the humour. Every book of mine will give you a laugh. Um, I like to keep things lighthearted. So I've, I've got a great, I've got a wicked sense of humour myself, and that comes across <laughs> in my writing. So I'd, I'd have to say the humour, definitely. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And finding that finding that humor in in the yes. trials of life. Absolutely. Like my characters go through grief, um, you know, triumphs, relation, relationship breakdowns, 
all sorts of awful things, but they still keep their sense of humour and it's lighthearted. So, yeah, mm. that's definitely yeah. a common thing. Being able to laugh at whatever life throws at you. Oh, for basically. sure. Yeah, oh, that's, that's, that's a real talent. I mean, I, when I write, it, the drama just oozes constantly. <laughs> um, <laughs> and there are times when I think, oh, this is too heavy. You know, can we put something else in it that's a bit lighter? It doesn't work. You know, okay. so, and that shows that we're all, we all have our own um, way of writing uh, mm. and our own voice. Yep. And definitely, mm. I, I was laughing out loud when I was reading um, Making March. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it's that, very that, it's very real. Your yeah. writing, Haley, yeah. is very real. Like you can just imagine that this is something, you, you know, like, yeah, this could be a girlfriend of mine. Um, yes, so there's a, there's a realness to it. Um, I think that yeah. the fact that you write contemporary fiction and real likeable and relatable yeah. characters that's also probably a common theme with your books um yeah. and you know I try to do the same it's I I want my characters to be a massive contradictions and sometimes I'll have arguments with my <laughs> editors they're like she wouldn't do this I'm like people are complex they do stupid things you know like they do yeah. contradictory things they say contradictory things they're complex so I really tried to imbue that in my characters but I mean travel is obviously a common theme for me and friendship is I think I write friendships that are complex and um, not always perfect and sometimes people upset each other and have to have it out and yeah and of course, romance. I mean, there's that theme. <laughs> yeah. Well, mine is and, and, and you're really and you're really good at writing that sexy character as well. You know, that really good looking, sexy guy. Like you do that really well, Smitty. <laughs> I enjoy that. Uh, I have a funny story to tell about that because my first book. Um, it was inspired by how I met my partner. So we literally met as strangers on a pier in Santorini. We were about to get on the same sailing trip. There were only seven people on the boat, so there was nowhere to hide. And we we became fast friends and there was an attraction there. And um, by the end of the trip, we knew we were going to see each other again, even though he lived in St. Paul, Minnesota, and I lived in Sydney. Mm -hmm. And we embarked on a you know, two and a half year long distance relationship before we ended up in the same city. But um, so I was like, this is a good meet cute. I'm going to write this into a story. But then in the book, I, um, I hope it's not too much of a spoiler because she meets them both in chapter one anyway. But <laughs> there's a lo another love interest. It's a love triangle. Mm. And um, when I was writing the follow up and this is where you know, she's she's in relationships with both of these men. They both know about it. It's like, you know, who's she going to choose? Is she going to choose neither or whatever? Um, my partner was, you know, who's she going to end up with? And I said, well, would you be upset if she ended up with the silver fox and not the young American guy? And he said, well, yeah, because the young American guy <laughs> is based on him. And I'm like, you know, this isn't real, right? I said, also, we met like 15 years ago. You are my silver fox now because you're 40. You're not 25 anymore. Uh, anyway, it's just funny that he was upset about my fictitious character that's loosely based on me might choose the fictitious <laughs> character that wasn't based on him. Now, now Sandy, Please, everybody. you know I've read this book and when I interviewed you on the podcast, we talked about this at, at great length before I read the book. Now, I have to ask you, what would Shirley Valentine do? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's interesting because, and I'm not going to spoil it for anybody who hasn't read the book or the follow-up, but I, when I was writing the follow-up, I didn't know who she was going to end up with. And I was like, I would write one part of the book. I'm like, yeah, gonna, this is how it's going to be. And then I'd write the next part of the book. Oh, no, I love them together. So I, I think Shirley Valentine probably would have chosen who I chose, but I'm not. Um, okay. I can tell you that off air. Um, but I'm and I'm not going to say if that's the same one that the character chose either. So no spoilers. No oh, okay. spoilers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, I've got, I've, anyway. Anyway. I've got a little anecdote about... Um, writing a, a sexy character. In my book, Two Men in a Shed, uh, Faith, who is married in Australia, but she works in London. 
So she comes backwards and forwards and they, she has a daughter with the man in Sydney. And um, <clears throat> she has a few affairs overseas, but she meets this Douglas. And so I wrote this character and one of my friends read the book and she read it over two nights. She said she couldn't put it down, which was great. And then she wrote, and I bloody love Douglas. Can you make him real? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, the book boyfriend is is definitely well known in the chiclet world. Yeah. It's like yeah. sometimes but... book boyfriends are better than the real thing. Mm-hmm. But... Mm-hmm. but we get to sit down and create our, you know, dream guy. What's better than that? Mm-hmm. Great fun. Absolutely. Yeah. But that's yeah. what readers want too. I mean, if you talk about a, a mousy little you know, pimply boy <laughs> child. <laughs> I don't want to know that. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It and I entertainment. It's it's fun. It was fun for me to write one of my love interests because he um, had a man bun, and um, she was like, "Oh my god!" Like she can't stand man buns, and, and <laughs> it takes me a really long time to get past the man bun. <laughs> but I don't like them either. You know, it's like. Even on no, Jason Momoa. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm thanks. glad that they're almost out, aren't they? Although yeah, I think, I think so. Oh, dear. I think so. All right, we're going to switch mm. gears. Here's a big question. Maria, mm. is writing cathartic? Oh, definitely. Um, the first novel I, where I was writing when we were going through a very bad patch in our marriage and um, we were told that we wouldn't have kids. So, of course, excuse me, sorry, my throat. Um, Of course, I was told by a psychologist, start writing these feelings down. You're you're just mulling them over in your head over and over. Start writing them down. And that's how the book came about. Mm. Um, I thought, well, if I'm going to write something, I'll I'll write a book. Um, So definitely cathartic for me. And... Sometimes, as I said before, when my books get become too dark and, and I just go, I've got to walk away from this. It's too much. <laughs> and I come back and I lighten it up a bit. Because mm. um, the drama is great, but sometimes it can be a bit too much, especially my last two books have been quite heavy mm-hmm. in the drama side of things. So I'm trying to lighten this one. I've, I've taken a little bit out of your book, Hayley. I'm trying. Oh, okay. Just trying to put a little bit of humour in there. There's a couple of dogs in there that do silly things. <laughs> all, all my books have a dog, a cat, yeah. or both. On the Mine too. Yeah, they all have a pet. Yeah. They have the beach, dogs, and um, a bit of country. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> love it. And, Hayley, when you were writing Crayons and Chaos and your mm-hmm. life was Crayons and Chaos. Oh, absolutely. Was that cathartic for you? Oh, 100%, Sandy, because... I had no idea what I was throwing myself into when Chris said, my partner, um, Maria, his name is Chris, when he said, look, you know, I would really like us to have the kids week on, week off. I'm a shift worker. You wait Monday to Friday. Are you willing to take that on? I'm like, hell yeah, walk in the park. I had no idea what I was in for. So, (laughs) and as I said, when I was um, querying Making March and I needed a new project, I said to a friend, I just can't think of anything to write. And I remember we were having coffee and she looked at me and she went, are you bloody serious? Like, you've walked away from a marriage, you've met this wonderful guy, he's got two boisterous boys, you've never had children of your own and you've become an instant stepmom. If that's not inspiration for a funny story, I don't know what is. And it took me six months to write the manuscript. So it just poured out of me. So it was very therapeutic. And it just, it helped me cope with adjusting to my my, my, you know, my life had just flipped on its head in a mm-hmm. good way, but I just didn't know what I was doing. And, yeah, writing the story helped me work through all my feelings and, uh, you know, my, my self-confidence, learning to build a relationship with them. So, yes, it was great therapy, definitely helped me a lot. I love that. I love that. Well, I, I realised uh, that the book that I wrote in, and, and I, I think you both know and appreciate that Melbourne is apparently the most locked down city in the world yeah. over the last couple of years. Yeah. There's something like 380 days over two years. But um, I realized that the book I started during lockdown and published during lockdown 
is a lockdown book. Um, it's called The Dating Game, and it's set on a reality dating show where they all all the the contestants live in one house and they can't leave. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, it occurred to me after the book was published, I went, oh, my God, they're in lockdown. <laughs> so I wrote this, this pressure cooker of, you know, there's all these ins and outs of all these characters and all these things that were going on, all this frustration with what, you know, she's thrown into the situation where she's on this reality show, which is she hates. And I'm like, oh, my God, I wrote a lockdown book in lockdown. So maybe that was my cathartic, my, my cathartic writing. Um, but it was it was very fun to write because it was very, very funny. Um, and I would laugh out loud reading it back to myself. And I'm like, I, I must have needed it. I must That's have needed great. it. I think it was, yeah, I think it was the right book for me at the right time. Yeah. And Sandy, I have to say, because my two books of yours um, that I've read are One Summer in Santorini and The Dating Game. And again, I have to agree with you. Yeah, the friendships, you know, when you write about the friendships in The Dating Game. And I won't give anything away, Maria, because you I don't know if you've read it. but um, no, Not yet. Yeah, the fact that she finds herself in this, as you said, pressure cooker of a situation and she didn't expect to make friends and she does, you know. So the the complex friendships that you write were just great and I really enjoyed that. You do that really well. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I my first note from my editor was, um, is this a romance? Um, we need some more romance. And I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, kind of takes a backseat to the friendships. But anyway, it's still a fun. It's just, It was a fun book to write. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Okay, here's a biggie. Let's start with you this time, Haley. Do you think anyone can be a writer? Is it a set of skills or a natural talent or a combination of both? Oh, that's a that's a good question. I think it's a combination of both. Um, and the reason I say that is I think you have to have some ability to write, but then I think it's something that you can build on. Mm. Yeah, you know, you can challenge yourself as a writer, you can hone your skills, you can become better as a writer, but I think you have to have that foundation there to start with. I don't know, yeah. that, that's just my thoughts on it. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think, Maria? Um, well, you know, people who are dyslexic can write and oh, write yeah. quite well, you know. Yeah. Um, I think you do have to have writing skills, but also a good imagination. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, you can you can learn a lot, and I have learned a lot over the last few years that I have been an author. Um, and considering that I've been writing all my career, you can learn every day. I, I am still learning. Yeah, and we never stop learning every no, day. Yeah. No, that's right. Um, so yes, it's it's a combination of both. I agree with Haley. Yeah, I find it. I find it really interesting that when I first started writing, as I said, it was like 20 years ago, I was like, oh, these are the rules. You know, you have to do oh. this and this, and then you do this. And now I'm like, I'm just, I just play around. I, you know, people hate prologues. I love a prologue. People hate epilogues. I'm like, oh, here's a prologue and an epilogue, you know, like. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and, I love them both. <laughs> yeah, I. I used to always write in past tense and then I started writing one book in present tense and now I'm addicted to it, mm. addicted to it. And yeah, it's just interesting and writing first person versus third person and yeah, you, you do learn I, and writing multi-narratives and it's just, I, I, I like to give myself hard tasks, but I learn all the time and I, you know, can you start a sentence with the word, but yes, you oh. can. And go ahead. If you can, if you have to learn the rules, I think, and I used to teach English for high school, high school English. And I would say, you need to learn the rules so you know how to break them. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, very true. If you get really good at, at, at adhering to the rules, you can break them for effect mm. and it makes greater impact to your writing. Um, so I try to remember, I channel my previous self, you know, and I'm like, mm. what did, what did I used to tell the kids? <laughs> Uh, can you do this to do what was yeah what would, to do? that's mm. exactly right that's exactly right all right now maria you're writing a book where you've got two characters they're at odds um is it is one of them a villain or are we supposed to empathize with both characters do you think at the moment i think you both you will empathize with both 
mm-hmm. but I am mulling it over in my head that one of them, Molly, who I find the main character, um, she's she's not as selfish and as jealous mm. as her friend. And I right. think that's coming more, more to the fore now as I'm nearly finished. Um, I think I've got probably another 20,000 words to write. So Wow, so you're nearly done. Hopefully, yeah. Home stretch, home stretch. Mm. So if you if you are writing that villain and you've got, you know, quite a few texts to draw from, if you're writing that villain, how important is it that you as the writer empathise with the villain? I have to. Um, there was, uh, when I was writing the science fiction, there was one section where I started to dislike the high priest who was the real villain. Uh, and I thought... This is a bit much. Again, that the drama came into it and was starting to overtake, so I left it for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I made him a little bit softer towards the end of the story. Um, but that's me. I, I don't like a really bad villain. I, I, I can read a book that has a really bad villain and I'm thinking, yeah. oh, I don't like that character. But it doesn't come easily to me. Yeah, it's really. Do you do? You, what about you, Haley? If you're reading something um, mm. and there's somebody, I mean, in the dating game, dating game is very, very light. It's probably my mm. lightest book. And there's a couple of girls who they're the villains. They're actually yeah. called the villains by yeah. the producers. It's like they're casting the archetypes, and and these two are the villains. And there's nothing redeemable about them at all. Um, do you? Does that does that sit well with you as a reader, or are you like, yeah, you just can accept that some people are just horrible? <laughs> I can accept that some people are horrible. I mean, I've got two villains in Not Dead Yet. Now, Maria would know who I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I didn't really give them a backstory in the sense of why they are the way they are, and I leave that up to the reader to decide. Mm. Um, and they're just basically bitches. They're just horrible people, you know, so... <laughs> And, you know, like working with people every day, I come across some rotten people, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. But but I, I guess in a way, you know, you still can empathise with one of the characters, Gertrude, I think, um, mm. more yeah, than Nora. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But they are villains and they're not nice people. But I think, yeah, Gertrude has a backstory. I'm really not sure what it is, why she behaves the way she does, but there's, there's something there. I'll leave it up to the reader to decide why she is the way she is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Maria would know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. I think, you know, so in Tuscany, uh, it's A Wedding in Tuscany, which is um, my next book to come out, that I've written this sister-in-law character and she is just, she's just horrible. But I had to empathise with her, not in the way that I would like, I liked her, I did not like her, but I had to understand why she was that way because that had to come out. Um, And it had to be very clear that what her objectives were and what her motivations were because it became a minor plot point. But I'm like, God, I re- I, she was fun to write because she was just so awful. But I know that those people exist. I'm very lucky with my in-laws, but um, I don't know who's going to listen to this podcast, but I have close people in my life who don't have great in-laws, you know, they have a terrible relationship with their in-laws. And I'm like, this is a this is family you're tied to these people so it is fun to explore the villain Mm. um but as you said sometimes you just kind of want to leave it up to the reader's imagination of what makes that that person Mm. the way they are I think we all know people like that yeah Um, Yeah, we sure do but um I do think it's kind of fun to imagine that um another saying about writing is the villain is the hero of their own story you know, Voldemort thinks that he's entitled to, <laughs> you know, like he, he's the hero of his story. So, you know, if you write, if you're writing from that perspective um, or if you're keeping that in mind as a writer, you can write a villain, a really good villain, somebody who um, the readers can sink their teeth into. I think so. I think yeah. so anyway. Mm. Well, yeah. Voldemort's a very good, uh, I mean, I didn't, dis- I didn't dislike him, um, yeah. funnily enough. I thought he was a great, he is a great villain. He is. I, I didn't sort of think, oh, I can't stand this, this person. You know? Yeah. It's very rare yeah. that I, I've, I've had that. And if I do read a thriller or something um, that where the villain is really quite gross and 
I don't like mm-hmm. the person at all, I usually stop reading the story. Oh, you have to have some kind of, they have to be um, compelling or some kind of, some sort of, you, you want to have empathy mm. as some kind. So of for some, them. Yeah, exactly. So, um, interesting. But, you know, Voldemort for me, it was a troubled child. And you yeah. can see why, well, not just for me, you can see why he was the way he was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's important. You, sometimes you do need a backstory for the villain. Mm, yeah. Sometimes you don't. <laughs> yeah. You know, nowadays they're, they're telling us why the Joker is the way the Joker is. But, you know, back in the day when Batman was. <laughs> The comic book. Yeah. I knew why the Joker was that way. <laughs> no, he was just evil. Yeah, yeah. that's a good call. That's and a good it, call. Sorry, I'm just thinking of something funny. It's interesting, like just moving away from villains, but other characters that we write. I would have to say my favourite character to write is the the clown, you know, the comic relief in the story. Mm. Yeah. So my favourite character in Making March was actually Marie, um, her best friend's mother-in-law. Yeah. She was the you know, the, the trollop basically, who chased up <laughs> everything with, with a heartbeat. And she was just ridiculous, but she was so much fun to write. And she ended mm. up being my favourite character because she was just hilarious. Mm. You know, so I think the comical relief is fun to write as well, for me anyway. Oh, gosh, mm. yeah. I, I'm in, and in T- Tuscany, this next book, um, the, the, the character's mum is there. So she briefly appears in other books, but she's you know a supporting character in this book and she's just hilarious like she makes me laugh so much I would because I based her on um you know I based her on my best friend in high school's mum and combined with my auntie and she's just she's always outraged and she's always picking people out manners you know like that sort of she's just so serious and she takes herself so seriously and she was so much fun to write and I just kept putting her in these outrageous situations you know like a life drawing class with a really beautiful male model and you know like just really fun to write isn't it fun to write those characters they're just hilarious they are the comic really absolutely yeah Yeah. they're good fun you know that you know that it's you know that it's funny if after editing it for the 50th time you still laugh out loud (laughs) right yeah. Definitely. Yep. <laughs> I'm going oh, to, have to um I'm going to have to look at <laughs> writing a character like that. I haven't got into See that, that yet. maybe that's oh. your that's how you can have that lighter thread that goes through and breaks yeah. up the drama is just the person mm. who just says the wrong thing at the wrong, you know, always the mm. inappropriate thing and everyone just kind of goes, "Oh my god." But then it breaks the tension, you know. So that yeah, yeah. could be I'll a great device. Down. Oh, she's writing I'll it down. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. She's getting some ideas already. She's got that pen ready. (laughs) That's fantastic. Taking notes. Um, Here's a question. I think this is something that every writer goes through. For me, it always hits in the middle of the book. You know, if I'm writing 90,000 words, I'm looking at around 50 to 60,000 words and I look at it and I go, this is a piece of rubbish. This is boring. (laughs) It's stupid. Nothing happens. Everyone's going to hate it. This is terrible. Um, Is this familiar? Is this something you go through too? (laughs) Yep, it only just <laughs> happened about a month ago. <laughs> and how do you how do you handle that when you got to that point where you're like, this is garbage? I was struggling. Um, I've had a lot of issues with my parents and you know life, and I I didn't I wasn't writing this book, and it was it was getting to me because I kept saying I've got to go and sit down and write, but every time I did. I wasn't in the mindset and it wouldn't flow. Right. So I, I kept, and I actually said to one of my friends, I'm really bored with this book. And she said, what? You're writing about television. <laughs> You're writing about what you know. And so I just, I just left it for a bit. Um, and then all these little thoughts came into my head. So I would write them down. And then I thought, oh, Molly would do this. Oh, and Emma will do this. And, and, oh, it's social, video, social media is not the villain here. It's the people and how they use it. So all these sorts of things started to come into my head and all those notes are here. And only just this weekend I sat and I wrote and I wrote about five, six chapters. 
Wow. wow. In a weekend. My goodness. Not long too. Yeah, so, that's incredible. And I think I needed that that break because I was in the mindset of I'm bored. This isn't going anywhere. And you really have to just leave it alone for a bit. Yeah. That's how, I, that's how it works for me. Yeah. What about you, Haley? Yeah, I was just thinking about Scattered Scones. So Scattered Scones I started going on three, three and a half years ago. I've got up to the point where they head off on the road trip from Adelaide to Sydney and mm. I just was a stalemate. I know she needs to meet some characters along the way which are going to help her um, accept her diagnosis and, and move on, but I'm, I'm just completely stuck and I have literally put it down for two years in that two years, I got Not Dead Yet written and published. <laughs> it mm-hmm. just out mm-hmm. of me. Um, and now, it is, you know, it is not the season to be Molly. The Christmas one I'm writing is pouring out of me. And that will probably be published Christmas next year. And Scattered Scones will probably still be collecting dust in the drawer. I'm just, I don't know mm. why I've never been stuck like I am with this book at the moment. And I'm about halfway through. And I'm just yeah. completely stuck. Yeah, and I don't yeah. know why. Eventually, I'll pick it up. But, um, yeah, really struggling with that one. I went to I went to um, Romance Writers Australia conference a few years ago when we were out, allowed to go out of the house and um, Natasha Lester did this fantastic masterclass and she talked about when you've got the saggy middle or you've got something you just kind of stuck in the middle and you're bored as the writer or it's just kind of like Ugh, is ask yourself have I got a reversal so as an example in the dating game. She doesn't want to go on the show as a contestant. She's gone on the show undercover. She's actually a writer for um, a magazine. And she doesn't want to go on the show. But then when something happens and it all goes pear-shaped and she's about to be kicked off the show, she works really hard to stay on the show. Mm -hmm. So there's my reversal. And it was such a great reminder because I think as writers, we tend to write those in, even if we don't know what they're called or, you know, we're not conscious of it. When we, you know, we have a good understanding of narrative structure. So we write those in instinctually. But if we forget to do that, that can really stick us. Mm -hmm. That can really stick us. So Mm -hmm. maybe that's a way out of that. But um, I... It might be something to consider, but I kind of do what you both do as well. I'm just like, I need to step away and just kind of go, let it percolate, let it percolate. Mm-hmm. And um, I wanted to mention Kate, our fellow author, Australian author, Kate Allen. Um, she writes as KM Allen and it's A-A-A, sorry, A-L-L-A-N. Um, she has a great blog and she blogs all the time about the craft of writing I love her stuff she's just got some fantastic posts up on that site so look her up it's kmallen.com in April she wrote this blog post three essential reminders for when you think your manuscript sucks so (laughs) I'd like to just recommend that for all of the writers out there that's a really good one to bookmark I actually bookmarked it myself and went yep yep it is and it is sometimes that you just need to step away because you've just kind of gone off on the wrong trajectory and you need to kind of come back. And sometimes it's just that you need to go, you know what, it's not rubbish. I'm just kind of in it. <laughs> yeah. I need to just see it with fresh eyes. You know, it's yeah. not bad. It's actually good. But um, yeah. everybody goes through that, I think, that whole, yeah. this is terrible. Yeah, we're yeah. definitely not alone. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. It's good to know that we have company. <laughs> Absolutely. We, we have great company because, um, yeah, I did see that Neil Gaiman said the same thing something mm. recently and I was just like, wow, okay. Mm. It's, it happens to everybody, I think. Yeah. What, what is the, Hayley, what's been the most surprising aspect of being an author for you? You know, I'm going to move away from the writing and just say the friendships I've made. Yeah. Just, I've made so many friends and met so many wonderful people. And to me, that is just, yeah, it's wonderful. And that's worth everything to me because I'm such a people person. I'm such a social person. Um, I'm such a caring person. You know, I like to help other people out. You know, so just the people I've met, just the social aspect of the support that you receive, I think for me is, yeah, is the most surprising thing. When I set out to, to write a book and publish, I really didn't think about the friendships I was going to make. And it's been a really pleasant surprise. Yeah. yeah. For me, hmm. what about you, Maria? Yes, yeah, similar. Um, I, I mentioned before, you know, the people I've met, um, but you know, also how much I've learnt, hmm. and, and and am still learning. 
you know, and it's from the friendships as well that that, that comes from. Um, and, and also doing things like this. I, I've listened to podcasts for quite a while now and never thought I would be part of one. Um, and I have been a part of a, a few now. There's several now, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it's it's wonderful. I, um, I'd recommend being an author to anyone. They say it's a solid, it's solitary and there's so much solitude in it and all that sort of stuff. And there is when you're sitting and you're writing. Mm -hmm. um, but all the other stuff that comes with it is amazing. There's some crap, of course. <laughs> like yeah, I mean, it's an industry like any mm, other, so there's navigating exactly. all of that. Um, yeah. But, you know, there, I, I agree. I, I think as a profession, because um, I used to say about teaching, teaching was a wonderful job but a shitty profession. <laughs> and and really that was just because, of, you know, like nursing and Haley, you'll appreciate this, teaching is teachers and teachers and nurses and a lot of other professions in um, public service are overworked and there's just us to do too much so it's not a great profession but the job itself is very rewarding whereas I think with being an author the job is I love the job I love making up people and sending them on adventures but I love that community so much and that was surprising for me as well because in so many um, professions, you're you're in competition with everybody around mm. you. Whereas, if if you're a reader, if you're an avid reader, you're not going to just read one book this year. Mm. And if you loved a particular genre, you are going to read as much of that genre as you possibly can. So there's so much room for authors. Um, yep. You know, it's that mm. build. We we don't need to. Um, beg for a seat at the table they just make a bigger table like welcome 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 and so many people have been really supportive of me and and likewise I'm just kind of like who who can I you know who can I help on the way up as well because I think we have that mentality of give back just keep giving back to this community and doing this sort of thing is great it's so much fun it's really great to connect with people who get it you know get what we do and, yeah. and Sandy I just I remember when I was entering um scattered scones into the ritual prize and I was almost in tears trying to write the synopsis and who came to my rescue but the lovely Sandy Barker yeah. and I will be forever grateful Maria she was just wonderful I was so stuck and she gave me so much support and um I'll never forget that Sandy you just yeah the support we all give each other is just yeah. worth its weight in gold isn't it yeah it definitely. is definitely Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I, I just um, finished an anthology with 10 other women and the support and, and I mean, Weaving Words has turned out to be a lovely uh, set of short stories. And, you know, we were able to meet and um, see each other after COVID, of course, but we did a lot of Zoom during all that time. And again just very supportive if someone was stuck we help them and it's it's a great community it oh. is yeah and I've learned a lot about the the industry as well so um you know I have good author friends who are really savvy about oh if you want to get you know this particular marketing thing happening on these days this is better and social media is better on these days and I'm like whoa okay so it's all the side of the business that I'm not super excited about but mm -hmm. you know yeah, that goes along with it um, so very yeah just the generosity of spirit I think creatively um, and that support and just sharing knowledge. I've learned this cool thing. Hey, you learn, you can have it too, you know, let, let's just share the joy. Mm. I love it. I think it's mm. great. I, I completely agree. Well, it's the Mutual Admiration Society podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. Hilarious. All right, last question, ladies. Mm -hmm. um, Maria, what do you want your readers to take away from your books? Essentially to be entertained in the first place yeah. um but also uh, because my books are quite dramatic also to think oh wow my life is okay <laughs> um, yes. i don't go through all of this <laughs> <laughs> so you want the reader to think my life might be in the in the gutter but i'm 
not down the drain just yet. No, I've, I've got a long <laughs> way to go before, you know, these characters. <laughs> oh, that's great. I love it. That's fantastic. And Hayley, what about you? Uh, I want my readers to know that no matter what life throws at you, no matter what's going on, you, that you can still laugh, that you can still start, yeah. you know, see the funny side of what's going on. It's all about the humour. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. I just want to see them on the train or the bus on the way to work and laugh out loud and have the other commuters thinking, what the hell is she laughing at? You know, so <laughs> just to make people laugh. That's, that's, that's why I write, just to give people a good old giggle. Yeah. 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 And and I think for me, it's really about just that escapism because, uh, you know, it's the, the armchair travel for sure, but also just kind of escaping into somebody else's world like it's just um mm. and that relatability of of my, the characters I really aim for relatability of being able to laugh at yourself and go oh my gosh yes I, I've done that or oh, laughing at them you know whatever but yeah the laughter I think is really important and and what relationships that you have to work at relationships it doesn't matter what they are whether they're for, with family members or the in-laws or your partner or your friends you have to you have to work to maintain those relationships and it's and it's worth it that's kind of a key thing for me I think oh yeah definitely yeah good yeah. answers a lot oh, thank you thank you that was completely unrehearsed as well <laughs> All right. Well, it has been absolutely brilliant taking over your podcast, Hayley, and um, chatting with you, Maria. So thank you for letting us do that, Hayley. That's really cool. Anytime. You guys can hijack this anytime you like. (laughs) Super fun. Well, um, just a final reminder. This is what Hayley always reminds us. She says, remember, when we write, we can't go wrong. And until next time, bye for now. Thank you.